Uh, so Kyle, as a man of puns, seeing Diane Lane, what would you title this movie? Two Lane Road? No, no, no. Think of her most famous role. Unfaithful? I guess. That's not what I was thinking of. Man I... of Steel? Martha Kent? <laughs> no, I was thinking of Under the Tuscan Sun. Under the Tuscan Gun. Or Under the New Jersey Sun. Ugh. Terrible, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just like this movie. <laughs> Iggy Pop! Amen! Let him rock! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a K-Pain. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hello. And welcome everyone again to this edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always on cool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Or not so great ones. Today we'll be chatting about a film, uh, (laughs) My New Gun. Oh boy. Not a fan, Kyle? Not a fan? Well, you know, I think I actually might have liked it a little bit more than you, the little bit of talking we did before recording this right now, but yeah, no, it's not It's not good. I just want to get off to a start by saying Jack Matthews from New York Newsday said this film is an American gem. Jack Matthews, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> this is. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. But, I think you are a little, well, but... <laughs> but an American gem? Please, anyone. I will say, yeah, a part of me was going to be like, why did I just watch this? But still, I don't know. It's a movie. Everyone has free time. I don't believe anyone that says they all have free time. So it's just like, watch so this movie. Jello. So just yeah, so room for Jello. Just watch this movie. See what I'm talking about. It, it, it has... So what's his name, the critic? Jack... Matthews. Jack Matthews, you're on notice. Yeah. You're on, I don't know who you are. This is a new thing from for Newsday. P.S. I love Hoffman. You're on notice. And I just did like a <laughs> finger twist when I said Kyle's going to come to your house in Long Seriously. Island. Yeah. Long, I love he lives in Long Island. Oh, Newsday. That's yeah. where he's from. <laughs> so give us a little synopsis. Tell uh, us what this little gem is about. I think in the end I'm just going to be uh, lazy with my synopsis. Like this film is lazy with its writing and cinematography. The film is about Debbie, who's played by Diane Lane. Pretty much, she... Guess what, Brian? She gets a new gun. It's her new gun. And this gun drastically changes her life, and I guess I would say the life of her husband, Gerald, who's played by the dad from Seventh Heaven, that pedophile that he is. Oh, yeah. Stephen Collins, right? So That's awkward. His name. <laughs> oh, God. Seventh Heaven... Maybe we should spin off into the Seventh Heaven podcast. No, no, thank you. <laughs> Horrible. That's our next podcast, like yeah. WB shows. So, really, honestly, like, the, you know, I have things to say about this movie, but as far as the plot, the synopsis of this film, it pretty much, and and, and honestly, to its credit, and I wrote this right here, to its credit, it gets it going right away. Yeah. Which is nice. That's like, you know, some films meander too much. It, it's nice. But in my opinion, 
it gets it going, but really to where, to what? I mean, well, yeah, okay, sure. That's that's. There could have been any other film as called My New Gun, and then started out with pretty much finding out this one couple has just got a gun, and then that giving the idea of this husband to get his wife a gun. So essentially, and then anything else could have happened in any other film, but it could have started off the same way and then been a ten times better film. So I don't like. So as far as the beginning of this film, I'm like, you're oh. happy it wasn't longer, essentially. Yeah, well, we thought for some reason it was going to be like two and a half hours. Well, yeah, because we be watched clear, it on a yeah, link clear, on guys, YouTube. It, it's currently on YouTube. I don't think it's supposed to be because it's labeled under my new gun trailer. I mean, but it says like two and a half hours and something minutes, and like I was like, oh my god, when it gets to like the the climax of the film I'm like this feels like when the movie should end and all of a sudden the credits happen like and it was like an hour and 36 minutes i'm like oh thank god yeah definitely um i i just think that youtube thing is just like a ploy not to get caught yeah airing a full movie on yeah on there oh also something i not want to would care say and film. we recognized actually while you know we finish a podcast and then we start looking at what's going on for next week and we kind of realized something and this is uh all right i'm gonna quote uh, the president right now, there's fake news. We gave fake news. And that was calling Scent of a Woman uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's second film. Now, we weren't necessarily totally incorrect. All these, uh, not the first film, Triple Bogey, but his next three films were all in 1992, right? 1992. So, they were released at separate times. Mark this down, this is one of, you know, our few mistakes we'll ever make yes. on the podcast. And we're calling ourselves and out life. on it, so and in life. we're trying to be not fake news for you. So all you haters out there, mm-hmm. we got you, okay? This was released a little bit earlier in 1992. Yeah. However... Yeah, IMDb is weird. It, like, yeah, so now, the internet, from now on... Even other sites had um, yeah. Scent of a Woman before it. They're accurate when you open up the page and you see, and it says, like, release date. And those dates are correct, but if you just see it, like, in the order of, like, the uh, order of, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's films, that was what was out of order versus once you click it open, then we checked. And so it technically should have been this, the next week's Leap of Faith, and then Scent of a Woman. But still, the thing that we were most impressed with Scent of a Woman was that that was practically his second film and such a huge film. And a great film that started his career and his, you know... I mean, he had, yeah, he had three films released in... 92. That's just impressive in its own. So, again, we just wanted to point... I wanted to point... Who, know, who to point knows? I mean, I'm sure we could find it, but when these films were shot, they must have been shot around the same time, though. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Again, yeah, I paid attention, our apologies. Should have paid attention to his hair length if it changed at all, <laughs> then we would have known. I mean, this movie, it's... My new gun came out in '92. It's rated R for some reason. Did you catch any R-worthy? Uh, you know, if you really look at like say... older movies, like the rating system's a little whack. But to get R, I felt like that's kind. You kind of need like was there maybe any... the MPAA was like doing people a favor and just not letting like a lot of people go <laughs> and see this movie. I mean, look, I know there's gun violence in it, but it's not particularly violent. I don't want to come off, you know, like I think in the first one I talked about how hot the daughter was in Triple Bogey. I don't know if I made any comment last week, but ladies and gentlemen, this is Diane Lane in this movie. She's one of my all-time faves. Oh, is she? I love, oh, I love her. There's just something, 
Must love dogs, John Cusack. Well, yeah. Well, there's a Newfoundland in that movie, and I grew up in Newfoundland, so you know that, and John Cusack, so that's great. If we had a John Cusack podcast, I would go off on must love dogs. It could have been so much better, but... It could have been. It has, like, the right... John Cusack, Diane Lane, dogs. Like, I mean, dogs. Like... Yeah, it, they're, no, they're really. There's a great like. It's like early internet dating. Like the curiosity of that. It could have been one of the greater rom coms, but it just kind of fell flat. But we're not going to get into <laughs> yes. that. But ultimately, you know what? At one point, I was just like, because uh, she has not. It's not a sex scene, but she has sex in this movie. And then I was like, I wonder what, because she's not afraid of showing, especially in, as we said, I think in the opening I mentioned, Unfaithful. Whew, that's some of the like the hottest and steamiest sex scenes in movie history. So I looked at the rating, I saw R, and I'm like, that would make this movie better. <laughs> does it make every movie better? Well, no, it does. But it would really help this movie. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, would nudity have made it better? Diane Lane's nudity? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> It depends, yes. It depends on your point of view. I guess from a certain point of view, you are correct. All right, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a <laughs> certain point of view. Um, but yeah, uh, so the director of this, what's her name? Stacy Cochran. Yeah. Did she do anything else? Did you look into this? Yes, she did a film called Boys and Winona Ryder, which Ooh. I remember seeing. She's like coming the... back with Stranger Things. She was gone for a while. Is she? I remember uh, seeing this tape like cover uh, in uh, Blockbuster as a child for this movie Boys that's like I, I might have like, you sure you're not thinking of Boys Don't Cry no I know it's not Boys Don't Cry okay. but yes both probably next women with like short hair do's <laughs> true who's hotter Winona Ryder or Hilary Swank I don't like Hilary Swank There's, isn't that uh, Is it, well, yeah, the office the whole plot of the office <laughs> I mean again no, no, the whole I, plot of I the like, office no, no, of an episode of the office <laughs> I, to be fair I like Hilary Swank okay yeah she just Kyle asked me a very, very subjective question, and I answered. Yeah, you with answered. my gut. Yeah, that's um, as any. But powered Hillary Swank, she's terrific. They say actor. on standardized tests, never change your first answer. Terrific right? actor. Sorry, that just came out. I apologize. Uh, of course. Yeah, Hillary Swank's beautiful. Brian's the feminist of the podcast. Of the uh, certainly of this podcast. <laughs> uh, Winona Ryder also beautiful. I don't know. I, I guess I just I, you know I have a thing for Winona Ryder regardless this is by the way this is how kind of slow this film is that you know we keep divulging into other movies yeah um, regardless I do really like Diane Lane I want to say Keaton so much whenever I say her name Lane no, just I think Diane have... Keaton would make any movie better you Not... see Diane Keaton in this film what movie was she naked in that one with Jack Nicholson something's oh, gotta give something's you gotta see give. your boobs that's a good movie that's a good movie, yeah. But uh, wow, we keep going into other scary. films. No, but yes, regardless, I was going to say how I would prefer this to be a Diane Keaton, Woody Allen film with the gun. Yeah. And that might work, actually. Di- Diane, you, I, I'm so nervous for you. You, you have to have this gun. <laughs> she'd be the a gun. She'd be, yeah, you know, no, it would be the lobster situation. Yeah, yeah. Except that, the like, that's what I would say. And you know what? That would be fun. And, and I wonder if Stacey Cochran, who... Uh, I looked it up, and this was like her first movie out of like Columbia grad school. Yeah. Um, I wonder if like she was kind of going for that and just didn't hit. No. That. Uh, it, I'm sorry. Then that makes me 
think this film is ten times worse than I think it is if that's what she's going for, and that's what she. No, missed. no, not like like Annie Hall, but like a Manhattan Murder Mystery or like something like in terms of just just anything with the Woody Allen. Tone. This is not. This is. I never saw. This has more of like with its like weird characters and stuff like that. I don't know. It has a bunch of like I don't even want to call them one-off characters because it's literally just like a uh, hotel like concierge or like front desk person a waitress a secretary at the hospital like each it's just people that you know in any that there's in any movie and it's just like one-liners or whatever but each of these people like they read it the lines like really weird and like, i don't know if that's tone or i don't know like direction i wrote where they're talking to a oh yeah they're talking to a cop at one point and i wrote like this was one specific that i wrote down and uh one of the characters, she, you know, had, you know, she had a music career. It sounded like so. Point being, this cop says to this woman, "Oh, my brother had all your records." She's like, "Oh, that's nice." And he's like, "He's dead now." <laughs> what the hell I, was I do that? Th- I think that's part of the dark tone. It's just it does, and it's not because of the characters' like performances the dark or whatever. It just I don't know. It just uh, I think I think then it probably comes down to editing. If I'm not again, we don't want to be too critiquing. Editor our of my new gun, Kyle has put you on notice. Notice, yeah. <laughs> so we got the editor and Jack Matthews from Newsday. <laughs> anyway, let's. Maybe I guess let's. Let's. You think we should kind of start talking about well, this one? I don't know. What do you want to talk like, about? I was, I was segueing into. Okay. Just, just say Jack Matthews. Uh, yeah, so editor of this film and uh, Jack Matthews from Newsday. Yeah, you're on this new. Uh, you're on notice. Um, so, uh, basically, I mean, how do they get the gun? Tell us about this film. You, you, like you said, it starts off quick, and right. eventually we'll get to Philip Seymour Hoffman's, yeah. spoiler alert, one scene, unfortunately. Yeah, one scene. Um, well, let me just f- first say, like, this film, like, it has, f- uh, like, a f- fun music opening, but the most dullest opening, like, st- stagnant, like, shot ever of, like, <laughs> kind of, like, just after Dusk. I don't know. It's like just a blue hor- tone. Yeah, just yeah. horrible. Like it looks like it just wasn't color corrected. I don't know. It's just again, we're watching it on YouTube. So. No, I no. <laughs> I just know it's just a bad shot. Definitely the apologies. They have a bunch podcast, of but... yeah. They just have a bunch of weird like wide shots, boring wide shots in this film. But it just opens up right away with. Uh, I'm just gonna instead of Stephen Collins because he doesn't deserve to be called by his name. Uh, child pedophile, dad from Seventh Heaven. He. Um, He's just like getting drinks ready, and him, his name is uh, Gerald, Gerald, and yep. Diane Lane plays plays Debbie, and they've got their two friends over. Wrote down their names. What are they? Um, ba 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 ba. Irwin and Myra. Yeah, Irwin and Myra. Oh, so the guy Irwin, the only thing that I really, I've seen him in other things, but the thing I only recognize him from is uh, Rookie of the Year. He plays the dick uh, boyfriend of uh, the movie. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, uh, Henry uh, Roland Gardner's mom. Anyway, uh, so those four are having a little dinner, and first, uh, Irwin and Myra say, "Oh, they're getting engaged." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we saw the ring. Oh, it's must it's big and expensive looking, or whatever." And then their next news is that Irwin bought Myra a gun, and he's just like, "Oh, she." Goes through Port Authority at nighttime. She needs protection. Nineties New York, right? Yeah, like, I think yeah. like, like pre Giuliani New York, and this is something we've discussed already on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, 
this was just a different world back then. I yeah. Think, uh, they live in New Jersey. Yeah. So I just love, I think they, so uh, suburb. they, they learn this. The only good thing I learned from the movie, the blind side is those little guns is called like a Saturday night special. I love that. So I want to na- make a movie called Saturday night special someday. Anyway. So pretty much. Yeah. They have this gun and Stephen Collins is like, Oh, I said, I wasn't going to say his name. Uh, Child pedophile dad from Seventh Heaven. You, you can say Stephen Collins. I give you permission. <laughs> um, he just has like this look in his head or in his head, uh, look on his face, and oh, okay, well then, and it's just like whatever shitty little scene that ends, and then pretty much, uh, I mean, what happens after that? Then it's just like they he decides to get a gun. Well, it's pretty quick, right? The couple that he's friends with, yeah, they have a gun. Or they said they just purchased a gun. Yeah, it's like this weird, like, oh, like they they have this, they have a douchey suburban f- pretense to them or whatever. It's just like one of those things, like, oh, they got an in-ground pool, I'm gonna have to get an in-ground pool. Yeah. Oh, they got a gun, I'm gonna get a gun. And he buys her this gun like right away. Yeah, and like, so the next scene, the next scene is just this. Re- well, they talk. He says like, "Oh, I want to get this gun." And again, it's this horrible wide shot that is from a distance, looking at this deck. And they filmed in like Teaneck, New Jersey. That's kind of around like where we grew up. And right, Teaneck is it Teaneck? Yeah, something. Like I mean, that. we. I I know. While I was watching, I recognized a lot of like the background of just mm-hmm. New Jersey. Yeah, and it's just like this horrible wide shot, and I re- I started laughing because. Pretty much, he says that like, oh, it, I, I, I don't like thinking that you're uh, not safe or whatever, and t- obviously, totally n- like not intentional. Also, you just hear this, just like going over the house, and I just have to laugh at that because it just you hear this ominous helicopter flying above, yeah, and just that. made me think of uh, Goodfellas when the helicopter's <laughs> like flying him at the end, and Henry's all fucking coke died. Anyway. And then the next scene after that, there's By a By the gun. way, I just thought of the contest for this edition of the podcast. Ooh. If at the end of this podcast, guys... <clears throat> what is it going to be uh, how many times I say um and like and ah? <laughs> uh? No, I mean, maybe that could be a drinking game. But... That would be an excellent... You get messed up. Yeah, probably the first ten minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. No, no, no. If um, you can uh, count the amount of times we say a different movie... Okay. In this podcast, or just refer to a different movie. All right, just that's because good. of kind of how poor I think this I've, one is. We've mentioned a bunch already. <laughs> yeah, so that's why. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. I like that. That's a good challenge. That's uh, going to be a lot of counting for you folks. But <laughs> after that uh, horrible wide shot scene of discussing about getting a gun, guess what happens? They get a gun, or uh, Stephen Collins gets a gun right away. She's just, like, looking at the drawer. She's, like, vacuuming. Also, she's a very... It's not right away, but I just had a feeling that Stephen Collins... Was, let's just call him... I'll call him Gerald from now on, because I don't like saying his name, and you don't like me saying any of it. <laughs> fair. That's a so, fair So, Gerald, I just had, like... I got it right away in that opening scene. He breaks a glass, and then he calls Debbie, and she comes in, and she cleans it up when he clearly broke a glass or an olive jar or something like that. Yeah, I, I was going to talk about the same thing. And then she's, I mean, whatever, she's home and she's vacuuming the house and then she's just like staring at the drawer that has the gun in it and then opens it up and like shuts it right away. And then you see that she's still like sitting there at nighttime. They're just sitting in bed or whatever. I'm sorry, they're actually kind of going at it a little bit. Stephen Collins, a little bit on top. And uh, <laughs> Gerald... And yes, please, Gerald. I don't yeah. like, I, 
think a lot of people would be disturbed by saying Stephen Collins a little bit on top. Well, in his personal case, it'd be probably more from behind. Uh. <laughs> but anyway, um, evil so man. Evil the, you man. know, yeah, it's just evil. Yeah, he's bad. I'm sorry. That's worse than Cosby. Anyway, um, pretty much like he. That's not a movie reference though. Uh, I know, but like, <laughs> he he he'd rather not what this podcast the, is about. Yeah, exactly. It's not right. But like she's but not in she's not in the people. mood. Because she just doesn't feel comfortable having a gun next to her. Freaking, I don't care if you're married to Diane Lane. It's Diane Lane, and he's just like, all right, then we just we can just go to bed. Then I would take that gun and throw out the window, and then just continue making love to my beautiful Diane Lane wife. All right. So after he decides to stop making love to his wife, and they're just <laughs> both sitting there or whatever, guess who calls? Skippy. Skippy oh calls. Oh my god. This guy's name is Skippy. Why would you trust a guy he's, named Skippy? He's played by James Lagrosse. Are we supposed to know Legros? this guy? The only thing I clicked on, he like looked kind of familiar. He was like one of the guys in the crew of Point Break. That was like the most familiar thing for me. <laughs> and so, because he has, he has this like, oh hey, is everything okay? Maybe that's very 90s. He's got like a little bit of a grunge look to him. I don't know. Ugh. But yeah, Skippy calls, and he's the he lives across the street, and he heard... Diane Lane scream because she had a after they don't does Stephen Collins or I'm sorry Gerald decides not to have <laughs> sex uh, after he decides not to have sex with her they go to bed and she has a nightmare about the gun going off in the drawer and she screams and then Skippy calls and it's just weird it's just like a weird that this is what started to throw me off yeah um just like they must have some history right I don't know. It's just, well, like, I, you know, it's, I guess, fall into that, like, he's young and he lives across the street from a hottie. The kind of play between uh, Gerald and uh, Debbie is just a little bit, it's going to be weird what I'm about to say, but if this wasn't a woman director, and I really don't want to bring up her gender, but I'm bringing it up because it applies. If it wasn't a woman director, I'd be like, this is a very, like, sexist movie. This is a very, like misogynistic film with how he like treats her yeah but i think that's part of like the dark comedy of it it's kind of satire but it's sad that i don't know it's just not like you know what satire is like well, genre of, like is satire like if you look at imdb someone's labeled it sure that. but i mean if you want like I, this like is to an extreme obviously with visuals but if you want like suburban satire edward scissorhands is suburban satire yeah absolutely like no, that's, I mean, that's like yeah i know that's someone that got suburban satire right or even like a movie like election i mean that obviously yeah that's high le- school, yeah that's less stylized still, but it's still yeah. like satire on suburbia but I think she was trying to go for that though honestly <laughs> sorry Stacy next scene they go a brick wall and they're shooting I don't know it looked like a nice brick wall like they weren't like far where away where are they something. shooting I don't know it looks like they're in the back of their townhouse Can complex you, just, you can't fire a gun like no, that no but this movie allows them to and then the next scene after that guess what Skippy goes to the market with Debbie this is like this is like Trump's America. Only white people, just guns. You can just buy the next day, and it's like nothing. Like, if I can't talk about Bill Cosby, we're not going to talk about the presidency. What? You talked about, you talk about Trump before. I'm kidding. I'm you kidding. quoted Trump. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, Skippy goes to the market with Debbie, and they're just like being like he like brushes her hair back. And he's like, "Oh, you shouldn't do that, Skippy." And it's just really weird. He like buys the magazine, and he has like a hundred dollar bill. So I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be like that." 
you know, he's robs things and he's a criminal and then it's going to be like, ooh, like shenanigans with a criminal. Nope, that's not what it is. Yeah, then, yeah, I thought she he'd become like obsessed with her. Yeah, and something. Like she, she ends up like, you know, watching a bag she shouldn't of his or something like that. But no, after that, Skippy comes up and Diane Lane is, of course, doing, doing the dishes and he comes up to like the window. Oh, can I, uh, can I borrow your gun? <laughs> what? Yes, yeah, so the premise of the film is essentially a, a crazy neighbor named Skippy is borrowing a gun from someone. Everyone has a new gun at some point. It's her new gun. Well, Myra had a new gun. Myra had a new gun. And then, uh, technically, I guess, uh, Ger- Gerald bought it, so it's his new gun, and then it's uh, Debbie's new gun, then it's Skippy's new gun. So, I, I, need, I need to be walked through what happens next. Does she give him permission to borrow the gun, or he just takes it? No. So then he's just like, oh, even without the bullets, I don't need the bullets. So stupid. And then he pretty much he says, oh, can I just come in for a cup of sugar? Cup of sugar. What are we watching here? Leave it to Beaver, a cup of sugar? I, and and this is why I think they're, that's what she's trying to go for with a suburban satire. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I'm not saying she does it well, or... But in, point being, then he says, oh, when I was by the bushes, I got something on my hands. Can I wash? And she's like, yeah, use the kitchen sink. He's like, oh, no, can I use the bathroom upstairs? It's the same kind of condo that I live in. I know where it is. It goes upstairs. And they're just like, hum dum 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 And he ends up taking the gun. And then after he leaves, then Debbie goes upstairs right away, looks in the drawer, and the gun is gone. And she does nothing about it. Yeah, someone just took your gun. Ugh constant ridiculous after ridiculous. I just want to get the Phillips Hoffman Hoffman. Yes, please, please, our savior. <laughs> but before that, Gerald comes home, like, the next day and discovers the gun is gone. And then first, Debbie is just like, oh, it's gone? Really? And then she decides to say that she loaned it to Skippy. That's what I didn't understand. She says that she... Instead is- of, like, I think Skippy took it yesterday when he washed his hands upstairs. Oh, yeah. This is, like, the only one part that I'm, like, agreeing with Gerald. You gave our licensed weapon, (laughs) and pretty much they stay up and they wait, and they hear him come home, and they confront Skippy, and there's a bullet missing, and then this is, like, what gets to, like, the most important part for Gerald, is that Skippy's being, you know, like a dick back to him at this point, but, like, in in his quiet way or whatever, hands him the gun, and then when they're leaving, he says, uh to um, Gerald, watch your step. And then he, like, it's just like a basic step. It's not like there was like something like in the way or a crack or whatever. But he just like takes a normal step down and he shoots himself in the foot. It's just yeah, ridiculous. I don't, know, I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Why like this film, impossible. it shoots himself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, put it... Like, actually, what this movie should just be called is what I wrote several times, which is just question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> like, questions and just... Actually, I have to disagree with you there. There were not too many exclamation points in my notes. A lot more question marks. Well, I just, like, Gerald shot himself? Yeah. Yeah, I guess in, like... <gasps> like, <you're, ooh. laughs> TV show reference. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. For you counting it. But, here we go. Next scene... Yes, finally. Shot in Paramus, New Jersey. Also, there's a future film that Philip Hoffman references Paramus, New Jersey. We'll see if you guys remember and listen to all these episodes and know which one I'm talking about later on in the podcast. Um, if you give up after this one, I don't blame you. Yeah. 
<laughs> but they shot at the fireplace. And this is the brilliance behind it. They go and they look at this place, this restaurant called The Fireplace. It's not called The Fireplace in the film. Though. No, it's called The Red Chimney. <laughs> Brilliant. That's like, this is like, uh, what's his name? James Cameron with Unobtainium in Avatar. I mean, yeah. Or I, Calama- I think that's actually worse. Calamarians in uh, Star Wars. That's better, because you don't diss the, No, diss I know. The, the wars. Yeah, the wars. Yeah. The squid people. <laughs> and that's a trap. People, they helped. Uh, but they shot at the fireplace, and they called the red chimney. And so the fireplace is. I'm sorry. Yes, for those of you. That Hopefully, don't there's know, no, you know, if you're listening, you're not just. Yeah. Uh, people who went to high school. With it's us. an old eatery in Paramus, New Jersey. It's been around since like the early 1950s or late 1950s. It's a cool place. It's an easy. It's you know, it's like the next step up from a fast food place. So just kind of cool place that I, we've been to, and it's on camera. They call it. The Red Chimney, as we said in the <laughs> film, and it's raining out in like storm, and we get to hear majestic Philip Seymour Hoffman going, "Is it rain enough for you? It's a fucking typhoon." You, should we play it? Yes. You guys want to hear it? All right, guys, here cool. we go. Classic Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, so Debbie comes into this place and just, like, falls down. (laughs) And then another great line. I used to vomit up blood all the time in high school. It's just a really, just a random line. He's just being. Yeah, like, I actually like that little inter- exchange there. Yeah. No, there was like, like first he's behind the counter working, and then once she sits down, our buddy Skippy is uh, talking to her. He kind of comes over and has a nice little exchange. So, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Do we get his character name? Yeah, his uh, character's name, I wrote it, it is Chris. Chris. This is a character we see a lot in early Philip Seymour Hoffman films, where he's the uh, male lead's best friend or co-worker. Or yeah, he does this for like bro, a while. Amigo. He does it later on in his films too, but obviously they're more substantial roles. Yeah, they're more substantial. True, true. I mean, he plays this to a T, but I mean, we're seeing another one. This is more similar to uh, Par 5 mm-hmm. than obviously uh, Scent of a Woman. But if Scent of a Woman, if there was a spinoff movie just about that goon gang, yeah, exactly. Then he would then he plays a similar like he, role yeah, in it. Exactly. He just has a more more of a role in Scent of a Woman. Yeah, it's like there's more stakes at risk. Yeah, like it was more pivotal to He's the plot of the movie. Yeah, literally on trial. So I mean, like it, it it's it's great to see 
him in these roles, but we again we just want so much more, not from him, from the film. We want more Hoffman. Yeah, it would have been great because then all of a sudden, then he just says to Skippy if he can get something out of his car, he's gonna go out to his car and like I don't know something in my head made it seem like he was gonna go out there and do some drugs or something. I don't know. But point B goes out there, and then Skippy and Debbie are having a conversation. I'm like, I thought I just heard a gunshot. They don't, like, react to it right away. It was like a delayed reaction. They're like, oh, wait, did you hear something? And then Skippy goes out there, and Philip Summer Hoffman says, like, someone shot me. I'm like, oh, wait, so now is there, like, a guy going after Skippy, and he shot Philip Summer Hoffman, but I didn't see any broken window or glass or whatever. And so Skippy just gets in the car and leaves. The, this restaurant unattended with Debbie on the inside and that is the last unfortunately we see of Phil Schneider Hoffman oh movie. yeah ugh sucks <laughs> sucks I mean he's great but again we just want more of him do you think now this is a question like I've been thinking about just watching some of these films do you think that some of these directors you know cast me probably had a great audition and they're like, wow, maybe I should have cast this guy as the lead. You'd have to think. Well, I'll ask you this question. Do you think he would have done better as the lead here? Well, okay. Or does he just not fit? He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't fit, ultimately. I mean, whatever. This movie ended up not being good. But for what it's trying to be, he isn't the right fit just because he's not the cute neighbor that you're going to end up sleeping with. I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. At least he doesn't portray himself as that, certainly. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's only... there's You know, there's a few films that he has, like, infidelities in and stuff like that, but, like, they're just different, more, like, morose situations versus just, like, being kind of like you got a dick husband and then he's <laughs> in the hospital and this guy's lurking around so you're like oh, he's pretty enough of sex with him and that's <laughs> pretty much what debbie ends up doing and i mean listen i wrote copious notes on this just because that helped me pay attention or whatever but bring us home at some point but i know what you're gonna say I don't want to talk about this film anymore. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we need to do a service to people for those of them who don't want to see this film mm-hmm. just to spoil it for them. Yeah. So they just don't have to take the time. All but right. take the time, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We hope you take the time with our podcast if we're going to, or if you're taking the time to listen to our podcast, we'll take the time to uh, pretty much try to sum up this movie. So then after that, it pretty much comes down to that you've got Gerald in the hospital, Skippy just keeps getting into these weird situations and, like, coming up to... He comes up to Debbie and says, can I borrow your car? I'm driving my mom to the airport. But I was like, is this woman? She looked a little too young to be his mom, but she ended up being his mom or whatever. <laughs> so I was just like, what is the situation? She was part of, like, this robbery. Like, but there is no robbery. And so point being, it's just, like, this hodgepodge of just situations. So Debbie... Let's take score here. Debbie lends him the not doesn't really lend him the gun, but then takes credit. No, but for then allows him. Yeah, the, allows him to yeah. keep the gun and use the gun. Yeah, uh, lends the car to him. She's able to. She's like, oh, can you hand me my purse? And he hands her the purse before he drives off. <laughs> Ooh, generous. yeah, exactly. 
Um, I think there was other things. It was like, what? she makes a lot of weird decisions Well, then here. he's just like, he comes in, and then she lets him stay over, and then, because it just seems like he's skittish about, like, he's like, oh, watch my house for me, like, someone's gonna be there, and then, so then he comes back, and then he ends up sleeping by the front door, but then she comes down to put a blanket on, but she sleeps by the front door with him. <laughs> it's like, if you're gonna sleep next to one another, go up into the bedroom, and then she lets him stay there the next day, and just the weirdo he is just decides to take a bath. <laughs> what grown man takes a he bath draws in a stranger's a bath. house? He draws himself a bath. <laughs> what a weirdo. Oh uh, that's God. why I have a hard time connecting this guy to like this good-looking neighbor. I guess he's dark and mysterious, but he's just more weird. Yeah. And then Gerald is still in the hospital, and then he ends up getting... What, what the hell is... What's botulism? Botulism. You get it. Like, for instance, like... Uh, poorly canned food. It's a bacteria. Yeah, so he had eggs. Yeah, that's what that dope gets for having egg salad or with like anchovies botulism. on Botulism. Be very careful if you can preserves. Could get botulism if you don't do it right. Yeah, so he Pickling got it from things. sardines on an egg salad sandwich. Yeah. Dumb dumb. <laughs> kind of wish he does get botulism in real life. Worse. What's like something that like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Horrible things I want to, to happen to that guy. But yeah, so he's yeah, still in the hospital. Skippy is like now staying at her house. But then she kind of pulls a little tricky. She even says, oh, uh, you're a fishy guy, Skippy. <laughs> um, and then she goes by his house. But then he didn't even know. The mom didn't even take the flight to Phoenix. And she comes back. And she ends up like... then. Debbie goes up into the room and is, like, looking at this picture. She pulls the same move as Skippy, goes into the bathroom, turns on the faucet, then is, like, looking around the bedroom for stuff or whatever, maybe the gun, I don't know, or looking for something. Uh, And she looks at this picture, and it's of uh, the mom and this guy, you have to assume it's her husband or something like that. And then the mom, her name's Kimmy, she comes in and just, like, slices at Debbie's arm with a knife. <laughs> what the hell? And it's like nothing. Debbie's like, oh. Yeah. And then she goes to the hospital, and then... Oh, but it's revealed that the mom's like, is this yet? Or, like, that she's like a famous country singer or something? No, like, not even yet. It's just, it's so weird. And so then she goes, so Debbie goes to the hospital and has, like, a situ- situation with uh, Gerald, and there's this doctor in the room. The first question Gerald says to her, is there blood in the car? Like, he's just being like a, I don't care if you're in the hospital and you shot yourself in the foot and you have yeah, botulism. Yeah, like, he's a dick. I think that's the yeah. point, like, of, he's supposed to be a dick. Yeah, but it's just like... It's it just, he doesn't, so, like, he just yells at certain points. It's just like, like not there's not natural. enough story and diet, like, literally every line he has is just like a dick thing. It's not like there's well, this is a scenario, and then this is what happens from that scene. It's just, I wrote this at one point, it, it's just so many quick scenes. It's, like, really quick like, scenes. There's a lot of people who applaud movies like that, like, wow, all the quick scenes, we're jumping from here to there, but it's just... I don't want to say I want more, because I really don't, but it didn't leave me wanting more at all. Like, it's... it's but I need to see more, if that makes sense. You need to see more Hoffman. <laughs> That's definitely true. That would have been a good title for our podcast. See too. more Hoffman. Yeah. It's kind of sad, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See less Hoffman. Oh. oh. <laughs> but, uh, and then after that, I think that was probably like her final thing, because then after that, she goes home, and then Skip ends up kissing her, but then they decide to go across the street, 
and have uh, a night together there. And then the next day they decide and to they check the mom into... Yes, they make love. But we don't get to see it, even though it's rated R. Um, and then the next day they check the mom into the Ramada. And she's just and that like, Ramada's on Route 4, or it was at least, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely some place I passed okay. a lot, like as a child. I'm sure it's been renovated. But... I I don't maybe this is her hometown or something. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Shot locally. Uh, the budget I think was like two million. Oh, you're saying right? the director? The director, or something. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it was like two million dollars. Yeah, she probably lived. Her parents probably lived in that complex that was like a friends across the street or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as you said earlier before. So uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. She went to Columbia. Yeah, but I feel like she'd have more money than the little condo complex to just, like, out of college. Now we're just speculating on her life. Yeah. But like you mentioned to me... Um... This is a more interesting plot for a film. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Um, like you mentioned to me, though, before we started the podcast, like, don't, like you put it best. You could do so much more with $2 million here. Yeah, exactly. Gareth Edwards made monsters for $50,000. <laughs> Ugh. So yeah, then it's just, I love it. Then like the next day, she's after their like love night together. She's just like all about Skippy. She like gets on top of him, and I'm just like, okay, rated R, dank lane, come on. But then Gerald comes home, and she acts like everything is fine. He he does have this great line that again I was like, oh maybe this is the way it's gonna go. Like there was like two times I like kind of agree with him. The one is like that you allowed Skippy, even though she didn't, but she lied and said, oh I let him borrow it. And I'm like. All right, yeah, the guy makes sense. Like, why would you let him, you know, borrow the gun or whatever? And then he has this line of, uh, you have an unsurprising nature of the shit you get us into. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he's a doctor, and he's a dick, and maybe he's a dick all the time because his wife is just a screw-up and kind of, like, just fools around, or not that he knows it at that point. And just, she could have done this before, though. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, oh, is this... This is where the film... Nope, that's not where it goes. And then he ends up... He actually... He slaps her, but she slaps him back. But he... Yeah, she slaps him. And I don't think he... Like... And he, then he, I, he, I, he, kinda, he says like, that look, he I wouldn't wants, have, I don't think it was right to divorce her there. Or, like, I guess separate. Yeah, he point. says that they want... Yeah. I don't... Some of what he's saying is true. But the slap kind of feels, like, inorganic. He just, like, kind of, like... They're talking. Yeah, he like, like really reaches like a way to give yeah. her like a slice. She's standing, he's sitting. And he just like slaps her, and yeah. she just slaps him right back. Yeah, so that's like a little, I guess, let's call that a character arc for her. Yeah, she's finally, <laughs> I guess, standing up to. But then this, husband. and then this guy comes, uh, asking about the neighbors. And she's just like, oh, I don't, uh, I don't know. You should leave like a letter in their, your family. Oh yeah, I'm family. Oh, you should leave a letter in their mailbox. And she goes inside, and at this point, Gerald has moved out or whatever. So she's just at that house now, and Skippy is living there, I guess, or whatever. He's being a weirdo. He's just, he draws himself bath. He's watching High Lie. Who watches yeah. High Lie? Uh, it's the world's fastest sport. If you're not watching High Lie, uh, Formula One. No, it's the world's fastest. I guess that's not really... That's Okay, look, I don't know. That's what they market themselves as. That's literally the tag phrase for high yeah. eye. The like, world's drive, like, fastest in Fort Lauderdale. Like, inanimate object you use in a sport. I guess. Yeah, because... <laughs> oh, I think they say it's the world's fastest game. Formula One is not 
a game. <laughs> the life is life, yes. <laughs> uh, you made me spill my macchiato. <laughs> uh, regardless, yeah, he's watching Highline. Is this the second bath in the film? No, he's not. He's not in a bath. He's just like on the bed watching highlights. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm just saying he's a weirdo. He draws himself a oh, bath. Okay, he's watching okay. highlights. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Just I don't know. He guy. just he's a relaxer. This he's guy. Skippy. He's Skippy. Like, like, I want to yeah. make a movie called Skippy now. Skippy and Jeff. Skippy and Jeffy. <laughs> uh, but then this guy uh, that's outside and asking about the neighbors, he ends up coming into the house <laughs> and upstairs. And like, okay. Like then I was thinking this, Kyle. Let's say. Your mother was upstairs in her home, and a random man walked in. Like, they had a brief conversation had with a brief her outside. Con- and then he's upstairs. What's her reaction? That's why you lock the door behind you, dum-dums, first Very of all. Very true, but what's her reaction? What the fuck are you doing in here? Mary Fran doesn't curse. Yeah, maybe, a, maybe a scream, maybe a... Yeah. Like a, I'm going to call the cops, get yeah, out of here. Yeah, like... But obviously she knows she's in a weird predicament. <laughs> Still. And then what's his name is in the closet right there with a gun, so she's like not as. I guess she didn't want to alarm him. Yeah, exactly. Shot, but she, she wanted to. Try she's still like, hey, oh, yeah. I'm a little uncomfortable. Could you leave? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you realize you like I don't know, like you I don't know. <laughs> Ugh. But then they then they finally just oh then they go and they move the mom from one hotel from the Ramada to another hotel and that's when they decide to call the cops. I'm like oh so I guess Skippy isn't actually really that much in trouble because obviously no criminal calls the cops for help. Yeah, and that and this is what threw me off. Again, like it's that they call the cops now. When they could have called the cops at any point, I thought they weren't involved in the cops because, like you said, I thought he was like a criminal or something, yeah. or like he had some kind of background. No, it just ends up that like, and it was so thrown away line or whatever that this mom who actually had a career in music or something like that, she ended up owing money, or she, or point being her, it's like supposed to be, I think, her ex-husband, this guy. So I guess Skippy's dad. It's possible. It's such a weird... Honestly, people, please watch it and tell me what happened. But, uh, <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And so... But all you need to know is that a guy is actually after the mom, and that's why they were moving the mom and stuff like that. And we do find out that that's actually his mom. Like, at first, again, I didn't think she was old enough looking. Yeah, she mom. didn't look it. But. but they involved the cops, but then Debbie needs to go to... She was still invited uh, to Myra and Irwin's wedding... And Debbie's like, but I need to get to a wedding. The cop's like, no, we have to keep you guys, like, hidden, and well, you need to find this guy. She's like, no, I have to. I'm, like, the matron of honor. I'm going to this wedding. And then Skippy and Kimmy are just like, we're coming, too. So then the cops have to put, they're like, is this a black tie event? It's like, no, just wear, like, whatever suits you want. And so then they go and buy some suits and some dresses and yeah, then go to this wedding. Kind of scenes. Oh, God. And then she ends up she ends up taking a gun at that point. She gives Skippy's gun to a cop, and he's just like, "You shouldn't have done that." But then she ends up getting the gun back somehow. I think at the wedding, <laughs> so it's just like it's become her new gun like five times in this film. As many times as I reference a movie, she probably it becomes her new gun again. <laughs> and so yeah, they send guys undercover to the wedding, 
and then I forgot already that this was the guy outside the house. I just put, oh, this is a weird wedding. This is another weird guest. I'm like, oh, this is that guy. His name is Andrew. Uh, <laughs> the ex-husband. Yeah, the ex-husband. Really. I'm like, oh, this weird wedding guest is that guy that we meet briefly outside and then came up to her bedroom. This is the same guy. Like, you know, it was such a, I don't know, not, again, the scenes are too short and, like, not important enough that I'm just like, oh, this is the same guy. So then... A doctor we met earlier in the film, he's at the wedding, and he's just like, oh, can I talk to your mom? Like, I have, I've, you know, I, I used to have a bunch of her records, and he wants to sit next to her at the wedding, and pretty much uh, Jiffy is, uh, I mean, Skippy, is just like, oh, I need to bring her to the, uh, to the restroom. And I guess she ends up taking, she looks like she's collapsing or whatever, she ends up taking pills and she ends up dying. But then the big moment comes that Andrew punches the doctor because the doctor is saving seats for them and then pulls a gun out and is just like, where's Kimmy? And is like screaming for her and says to uh, Skippy, go get your mother. In the end of the day, I guess because, like you're saying, it's this like comment on suburban life and has very misogynistic characters it comes down to, like, Diane Lane deciding, I'm going to do this with this guy and, like, doing her own thing. And then she ends up pulling a gun out on Andrew, and then when he's focused on her with the gun pointed at him, an undercover cop comes and hits him over the head with a pistol. So, yeah, like, she gets this, like, big moment of courage. She finally is, like, ready to fire the gun. But it's not a big moment. And then it ends up not being, because, again, she's saved by a man. Yeah. And we f- Skippy goes in the bathroom, finds out that his mom is dead, and the doctor from the scene, oh my god, it had one of the best lines, says to like the coroner coming in, or whatever that person's called, I'm a doctor. She's dead. I know. And Kyle, I want to play that line. I want right, to go. drop that line. Here's, that, here's, here's, here's the lovely doctor's line. <laughs> yep, I I laughed at it. You laugh. I just have no reaction. Oh my like, god, it's just ugh. I'm dead inside. It's it's just it's not even at because it's not. I feel like this film it, again. It wants to be that comment, that satire in suburban life, I guess. But then it has the crappy lines of a soap opera, but not performed at soap opera level. If that makes sense. Well, I I think in these kind of satires. Like, you can get away with lines like this. Like, if I read this script, I don't necessarily think that it would be a terrible script if it was done right. Yeah. Like, it it doesn't seem like it was... I don't know how this could have been fixed or, or, or where at least the disconnect with me was. Uh, to be fair, this is like a hit-or-miss film, critic-wise. It's 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Other sites put it around in the same place like where it wasn't viewed by particularly too many critics i couldn't even find a number exactly of like how much it made or like what its release was like uh-huh. but of the people who saw it some people actually really really enjoyed it and i would say it's like 50 50 and some That's people just didn't the connect with. right there those are <laughs> those are people that eat like warm lunchables <laughs> I mean, this is her, actually, Stacey Cochran. And again, I don't know her body of work well. It's the only film I've ever seen of hers. But this is her highest-rated film. I don't know. I'm I don't going to make the Stacey Cochran film. It's going to be called Peaked in 92. <laughs> I just don't know 
what I missed here, I guess is the best way to put it. You missed stuff because she missed stuff. Presumably, I mean... <laughs> no, she did. This is not a well-made film. There are some story beats that I like, because, I mean, but it falls into, like... It just... It never had its own identity. It just... Tone issues. Yeah, clearly. To- yeah clearly, exactly. because we're debating it. Yeah. It, yeah, this film, it very much comes down to tone. And when... what? Let's just assume that, the, again, this satire on suburban and quirky characters with these like one-off lines like that's what she's going for you need somebody you need your alexander paynes you need like your jim jarmusch's you need your spike jones michelle gondry even like a wes anderson wes anderson perfect there you go. And but you know what? Honestly, if Wes Anderson films, I'm not and everyone's going to like get on my case right now. But if they weren't as visually stylized as they are, they wouldn't be nearly as revered. Well, I mean, I don't think that's I mean, I love Wes Anderson and I don't think that's an unfair statement because but I think that's part of it. That's part of the language of the film is visual. And so what were some things I was saying in the beginning of this, especially with those like wide boring shots, like quick scenes that didn't have like Literally, like two, like that one scene plays out in this really far away. Like they're like at least like seventy-five to a hundred feet away from them, like talking on the deck, and it's just like this, like at least a minute-long scene, and it's just not. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know if it, I don't know if you, you might be right here because I don't know if there's a it's a sign of the times or something. Uh, hire a decent you know, uh, cinematographer or something. I don't know. Like, have some someone that has some kind of... Edward Latchman. I just had to look it up. That's the name of the cinematographer. Wow! He ended up having a kind of a, uh, a, a fruitful career as a cinematographer. His last one was that movie Carol. Oh, and I loved how that looked. Yeah. So I guess that was just a real... How early on in, this, uh, in his career was this I... film? He still did some stuff before then. I don't know. I guess don't know. Maybe he just it's... came in for an easy payday. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, like, maybe maybe that's not it. I don't know. There's something that I, I can't put my finger on it, like why I'm so disconnected to this film. Maybe I'll I'll watch it again. Probably not. But maybe I'll watch it again and try to, like, figure it out. But I, I just... There's a certain he disconnect He was a cinematographer here. of Selena. You should like that with your... Uh, a Selena. Latino... <laughs> Selena, um, Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, so this guy, the cinematographer, has had quite the career then. Carmen Electra's aerobic striptease. I'm pretty sure I've seen that as well. <laughs> no. I'm not there, so I don't know, people. I'm gonna. I'm not trying to backtread on my comment of this. Actually, this will only help me out more. The guy obviously has an eye, so. Maybe uh, Stacy was a little too heavy-handed. He's like, "Hey, listen, this is your film. You can do what you want." <laughs> I I wish this is another one, and we're gonna run into the uh, issues like this with earlier films of Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's just we don't have enough information to like make these calls yeah. on what went wrong here. 
Um, I can tell you what definitely went wrong, and we've said it a million times, none of Philip Super Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, like, get, get, yeah, like, the story, all of a sudden they should have just realized, oh, wait, this movie should be about, like, Skippy, and he gets into, like, again, even if his mom is in trouble, then he should get into, like, a crime situation that he can't go to the cops because, like, he's a hothead, like, ends up being, like, cool mannered around people but ends up being a hothead that wants to borrow this gun and then Philip Zimmer Hoffman's Chris character needs to help him or something like that that could work I don't look I don't know how they just I'm gonna remake this movie <laughs> that's gonna be my goal help Stacy out so here's my question and I ask this especially a lot in the earlier films why do you think he took on this role just simply he's young he went out there. Needs definitely the money, went out with his agent. I don't, know if he had, like, I don't know if he had an agent at that point. Basically I'm taking. Assuming he did. I'm assuming he did. Yeah, just taking any role he he gets at this point. Yeah, totally. I mean, also, he seems to be based around New, the New York area. Yeah, it's still like this was like an easy half hour commute to most most of the places in Jersey from the city. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was a one obviously a one day shoot for him. I'm assuming. At most two days. Probably a little bit more time than um, Triple Bogey in a Power 5 hole. Yeah, there was like more, sh- you know, Triple Bogey, he had literally, there was two shots. Yeah. And it was a minute long scene. That exchange, and then from just the two of them, and then her showing up, and then him going into the car, that's probably like around five minutes and multiple shots and stuff like that. So you gotta assume. Again, I think probably one day, but two days. But in the end, just not enough Hoffman. Not enough Hoffman. What's the next film we're going to be talking about, Kyle? I don't know. I think we might, after this uh, bad one, will we have to take a leap of faith? (laughs) And you hit the nail on the head there. Our next film we'll be discussing is Leap of Faith. Steve Martin. Ooh. Steve Martin, people. I do like Steve Steve Martin. Yeah, you know, this this is still earlier Steve Martin this is father of the bride time Steve Martin this it's isn't earlier Steve Martin not it's the, this film 1992 how this is 25 years ago now yeah but he's been doing films since like the 70s mid Steve I'm sorry <laughs> mid Steve Martin this isn't my point being is this isn't like cheaper by the dozen Steve Martin <laughs> his prime is t- the top of Steve Martin's no he's like cheaper by the dozen <laughs> no that's his later stuff so this is father of the bride's mid What's early? Like, so you're saying this is in Father of the Bride era? Yeah, this is when Steve Martin was... St- my point that... In his prime. Yes. This is Steve Martin in his prime. Still in his prime. In his film acting prime. Not necessarily a stand-up prime, we want to be clear. In his... And not his banjo prime yet. No. This is Steve Martin in his film prime. In his, like, still active in his film prime. Oh, by the way, I think it's obvious that we had not seen uh, My New Gun either of us it's the first time for us yes and yeah so first time and last time and we'll mention it uh, next week again but I have not seen Leap of Faith I have not seen Leap of Faith either so another another yeah it's definitely you know before we started this we kind of went through and we were calling off and it seemed like I had seen more Philip Seymour Hoffman's films than you but it's definitely very clear that neither of us have seen a lot of his like early career, his early work, which we, we, we kind of understood. We kind of knew going in. That... Yeah, I mean, just because obviously in the early '90s we were still young and not like renting our own movies. Then even then, if I was had the opinion that I have of films 
<laughs> even as a teenager renting films, I probably wouldn't have rented that film. No. I mean, actually, no, I probably would have got my hopes up, saw an R-rated movie with Diane Lane. <laughs> maybe. Rented it actually, for the wrong maybe. Rented it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and been really pissed off. And really, end. really disappointed. Like, not getting the comedy <laughs> stylings of no. Wet Hot American Summer and seeing, like, the case for that and being like, there's no boobs in this film. <laughs> when you see, like, a, you know, awesome cartoonish cover called Wet Hot American Summer Rated R and totally not getting... That, those I like guys Wet is, Hot America. I love it, but I totally like... when I when it first came out, I didn't get that style of humor. Like, oh, I, that's fair. That's fair. Like so, like that's definitely true. I was just I was just like, oh, awesome, boob summer movie. <laughs> so I was like waiting for boobs and then not paying attention to the comedy and just like not getting or into that style. So perhaps you would have uh, entertained my new gun in a different era, a different Kyle at the time. And yeah, especially pre-internet. And, and been disappointed for different reasons. Yes. So, hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Definitely, Count yeah. them movie references, people. Yes. Uh, Count them up. And you weren't even doing it on purpose. There's a few. <laughs> uh, well, looking forward to talking about Leap of Faith next week. Thanks for tuning in. Definitely go to cageclub.me uh, and follow the rest of the Cage Club podcasts, and then go on to our Facebook page of P.S. I Love Hoffman. Just like us, comment. Yes. Definitely, obviously, hit us up for the how many movie references. Whoever comments first, obviously, will receive the prize of a something Philips or Hoffman related. Yeah, we'll think of that. We'll figure out something. A nice frame picture. We can't really give you the DVD of sticker. this film because yeah. I'm probably out of print. You can always contact us also besides the Facebook page at PSILoveHoffman at gmail.com. Yep, so next week, Leap of Faith. I'm excited. Woo! Have a good one, guys. Yep. Bye. Sexy things, sexy things. I believe in miracles.